It can't be that time of the week again. It is. It's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jodie Rainsford and David Hellard. Welcome to Bad Boy Running. <laughs> Bad Boy. <laughs> I thought I'd go. I, I thought I, I thought I'd go straight with an Arnie impression. You've got to you've got to do an impression now. Get in the chopper. Get to the chopper. Gal Hagen. My impressions of Arnie are now because I've seen Sweetheart do impressions of Arnie more than I've seen Arnie do Arnie. My impressions are now impressions of Sweetheart doing an impression of Arnie. That's good. That's good enough. His impressions, his impressions are excellent. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> there is a point in it. He's right in every Arnie film where Arnie <laughs> does that weird thing with his mouth. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't. It doesn't matter whether he's on Mars or anywhere else. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> well, hello, bad boy running. Hello, g badders. How art thou? Oh, oh, very good, very good, actually. Yeah. Um, in fact, really good. Just trying to think. I've just been messing around with running recently. I've not really been. You've been messing. Um, been having a, you've been having a little bit cheeky affair with running. Been having. Yeah. A, we've been going on a few dates. Nothing quite so serious. I've been doing some silly races and um, not really. Well, I haven't got a focus anymore, which is brilliant in some ways. Is it? Because you can just muck around, but also. Is really hard in other ways because I want to be training pretty hard just to try and keep some pace. And it's hard if you haven't got a reason to. Um, I was just going to ask you. Okay, I do apologise that we've actually, we're going to talk about some running um, at, at this point. But so what? what <laughs> so when you've, right, so now that you've come off your um, plan for the, for the MDS, what, what are you doing? What do you, are you doing like hashing again or, you know, doing all that fun stuff? Or are you still sort of keeping it up? That's a that's an interesting question because I've whenever I've finished a big event, yeah, I just like sit on my ass for six months and don't do anything. I don't I don't get back into it or anything. I, I I wait till the next event comes along before I do it. But what's you know if if people are doing a big event, what's the what's the best thing to do immediately after? Well, I think it's so hard because you almost you're conflicted. You I mean you must I think it's slightly different in ultras because you're just so tired. And you're physically ruined, but you can quite you can quite often train for an event like a marathon yeah. or you know a fairly long distance race. Go out and do it, and if you say you, you you hit your time, brilliant. But then you're aware you're probably at the fittest you've ever been, and so you've got all these other PBs tantalisingly within yeah. reach. What do I do with my newfound powers? Yeah, exactly, and you know that it's going to slip at some point. So do you go out and quickly bang out some times where you can? And then, but if you don't get it, it's even worse. If you don't get it, if you don't hit your target or achieve what you're trying to achieve, because you're then desperately scrambling to think, what can I do now? I need to use this fitness. And actually, I, I don't want to have made all these sacrifices for nothing. So um, I'm in a weird place now where well, I had, had MDS. Then um, the Mavi Lakes was my focus after that, uh, but didn't really train specifically for it. Just kind of carried on. And now... I, I don't know. Probably Man V Mountain next. I want to run that fit and run it fast, but it's still tricky. It's the so I I do track on a Tuesday still. I'll try and do a, a park run on a Saturday or get a speed run on a Saturday I can, and I'll try and get 
I try and do something on a Thursday. It, it ends up being running somewhere. A long, just, a, a long dogging run of some sort. A long, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's double double energy. You uh, you get a good protein mix. And, um, <laughs> the thing is, I said dogging. I didn't say it was a, a, a homosexual. Uh, you're homosexual implying there's word. another. You're implying there's an innocent word for dog. It's an innocent definition of dogging that includes. <laughs> What dogs? No, no, no! I'm saying no. Dogging's not necessarily. It hasn't got anything to do with homosexuality necessarily, has it? Oh, I thought you were referring to the the Copenhagen incident. Well, I was referring to the Copenhagen. Incident. Oh no! I don't, <laughs> well, that wasn't dogging. That was just fucking in public. There's no. There's no. <laughs> it was. You're you were the voyeur. Is there is there a t- there's a, a specific term for a running voyeur? Someone who purposefully goes out for runs in order to watch gay men have sex. Oh, we should we should come up with it. Something along the lines of a peeping tom, but not quite. Yeah, we'll think about it. Well, do bad. It's, here's an opportunity for you to be creative. So that's yeah. a, that's a very very specific uh, thing. But let's see if we can get it in the Oxford English Dictionary. And you could you could even extend it further if you know that there's a high chance that the the all, the all girls school get changed at a certain time. You know, you might go for a run on that route certain times of the evening, for example. Well, that could fall into this category. There, are, there has to actually, there has to be. It's like a, a, a going for runs. But you know, um, when I ran the South Downs Way 100, um, there was yeah. uh, up by the windmills. Uh, there's a car park up there. Now that's a known dogging s- spot. So, and so many people have, have you've been for like a, an evening run or a night run um, and gone out to that point to find that there are there's activity, um, mm. but. If they've gone back several times, that has to have a name, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If that hasn't changed your route. If you're not changing your route and you know that there is action on the way. Yeah, we can. Well, we'll put our mind to it. We'll come up with something. We, no need, doubt. we need a, we need a, uh, a, a do bad a sexual glossary. Are there any famous Thomases who are runners? <laughs> famous Thomases? <laughs> so they have, instead of a. So, for example, it could be a peeping Tom Daly, but obviously he's a swimmer but, or a diver. But if you had a, if there was a runner, like a peeping Sebastian, for example. A peeping after, Sebastian? After Sebastian Coe, or a peeping Mo. <laughs> That's the best one! <laughs> peeping Mo. I can't understand that. He's a peeping Mo. That, that's brilliant. That's brilliant because that's a shortened version, uh, shortened name of homosexual, isn't it? Peeper, if you're a mo. So if you're a peeping you? mo, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, homo! I see what you mean. <laughs> peeping mo. <laughs> I think I think the two ballads can do better, but it's peeping mo at the moment. So, so tell us your peeping mo stories. Have you ever been a peeping mo on Mo Farah? <laughs> Or has he ever been a peeping Mo on you? <laughs> That's your new mission. You've got to find out where Mo Farah trains. You, no, you've got to engineer it. You've got to engineer it to be naked or, or in some sort of sexual congress when Mo Farah runs past you in order to then accuse him of being a peeping Mo. And remember, he's got, he's got a twin brother, an identical twin brother, so you've got to get the right one. So don't, don't go out to Eritrea and that's all Somalia, wherever it may be. Make sure you've got the right one in mind. <laughs> Don't 
come out to Eritrea. Oh, it's a very easy thing to accidentally do. <laughs> you just slip, fall on a plane to Eritrea and pretend to have sex in front of <laughs> Mo Farah's brother. That would be a brilliant moment, the, the moment when you had the conversation with his brother. No, I don't know. Like, oh, shit. Shit. Had to pay this woman. Oh. <laughs> oh, but anyway, well, how, how have you been? Oh, I've been good, thank you. Yes, very good. Very good. Are you running? Um, no. Uh, no I have you seen run. a physio? I am seen a physio, but like I said, I'm not. I'm not in pain. I'm not in pain at the moment. I'm so I'm not. I'm. When I say I'm taking it easy, yeah. All I mean is that I'm. I'm still not running. <laughs> well, so you could run. Well, I don't know yet. I haven't really tried. Okay. See. If we... <laughs> oh wow! You know I said... <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'm only white. This is this is it. Yeah. You know, when I said, and oh, actually, I made an error um, mm. uh, last week when you said, "Have you been for a run?" I said, "Oh, I haven't run since March." I seem to have com- <laughs> completely forgot that we did the beer lovers. Beer lovers marathon. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm waiting. I, it seems that the only way that you can get me to run is to, to feed me alcohol. Because the next, the next thing that I'm doing, the actual first one I'll be doing for a while, will be the um, beerathon. Oh yeah, next week. So yeah, it's uh, it's the, it's, the, it's the biggest event in the uh, beer and running calendar, and it's almost it, this should be like the Hajj for do badders, shouldn't it? Like the beerathon, really. The Hajj is it's the Hajj. Some a religious. It's a pilgrimage, isn't it, that Muslims make to Mecca? This should be. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that's what it's called. Aha. We could, but we could call it the Barge E. Barge E. Okay. <laughs> we'll work on that one as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> We're freestyling. It's not working. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be a bit more drunk before we freestyle next time. <laughs> or just not do it at all. But yeah, yeah so it should yeah. be. It, it should be. The Beeriston should be a, a Mecca for, for do badders. Really? Well, there's there should, there's more than one, isn't there? There's that. There's the um, definitely should have Beer Lovers Marathon and Medoc. I think those three would be the 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 Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, but also yeah. but also they've got the Beer Mile thing now, which we're we're going to talk about. Which you know, a late entry there, um, which uh, which I believe you competed in. Absolutely, I think we're going to talk more about that next week. Well, yes, but exactly. Next week the, we're going to we're going to have a beer fe- a beer soaked episode. But I don't know if it's going to be every year now. Oh, really? Hopefully, it will be. Yeah, they because it's it's called the World Classic. The last one was in San Fran, and I don't know whether he's intending to almost set London up as a Grand Slam venue, or whether it's going to be once a year it goes to a different city. It'd be a shame if they didn't bring it back actually. Because I think these events always take a, a while to get yeah. going, and it's definitely got the the potential to be amazing. Um, but until the, until we know, it's hard to put it in the diary if it's not going to be there ever again. So yeah, you need you need something, you need the solidity and the the monolithic presence of a beerathon of the running awards nominated <laughs> beerathon, of course. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called the, it's called the Great British Beerathon, isn't it? What happens yeah. um, after Brexit? What will it be known as then? Oh no, and, and, and what's if Scotland's? In, yeah, because Scotland, of course, have become independent. Uh, Northern uh, Ireland will be independent. What will it be? The English and Welsh Beerathon? We'd have to lose um, Scotch eggs. <laughs> God, that would change everything. We don't, well, we've we've already got Guinness in there. Which so it's, it's the Great British Isles Beerathon, maybe we should call it. <laughs> British, uh, British, yeah. 
The great is that what they're called? British, yeah, the British Isles and Cruise Island, isn't it? Mm, I, I'm not sure Ireland would say. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure it does. There's definitely one way of saying it that includes islands. <laughs> yes, Great Britain and Ireland. There we are. That's the, that's the, the best. <laughs> <laughs> the Great British and Ireland. <laughs> Beerathon. Well, I'm thinking about doing because I'm going to lose so much money on this beerathon. Um, <laughs> Why? The we're gonna, we're thinking of well, I'm thinking of doing one in Scotland in Whoa. November. Yeah, and it's whether we do a Great British Beerathon Scotland or whether we do a Great Scottish Beerathon. Because oh, okay. we could do it similar, or we could do it just Scottish drinks, it, Scottish food. It should be a Buckethon. Bucky, yeah, Bucky yeah. <laughs> although, although Buckfest is made in England. Well, yeah, but that's irrelevant, isn't it? That's true. They drink it, we make it. So what? So what would a what would a Scottish um, a beerathon consist of? Which Scottish delicacies? I suppose you'd have you'd have haggis. Oh, then <laughs> I can't think of any other Scottish. Um, what's it? Uh, what's it porridge? called? Deep Deep Five Mars Bar. Deep Five Mars Bar porridge. Porridge. We're just this is this like stereotype. So Offensive stereotypes. <laughs> porridge. Three, they oh, would be could brilliant. you could you imagine eating porridge after it's been <laughs> sat there for like an hour waiting <laughs> for people to come? We make sure it's served in one of those um, restaurant counters with bright lights, just to crispy oh, up the top. The thing is, well. you won't know. You, oh, you could. Oh, I know. I mean, you're just thinking about the logistics of that. We just we need we just need one more now because that that is a brilliant three. It's gonna be quite hard to get them to put on the because especially the deep fried Mars bar. By the time you get it, it's probably gonna be oh. cold and congealed, and it's gonna it would have melted into each other and then set. It's gonna be really hard to eat. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Oh. And it's just is, this... is it just special brew every lap? <laughs> special brew, yeah. I don't know what else is there. No, um, can you have some sort of iron brew mixer? You could. Oh, you could have um, brew dog. Oh yes. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd I be love delicious. Brewdog, yeah. So you got Tenant's brew dog, and Buckfast. It would be a pint of Buckfast. This is going to be deadly. <laughs> this sounds brilliant, though. This it sounds quite brilliant. quite brilliant. And when you say yeah. that you're you're thinking of this, I mean, are you are we are we literally like putting putting meat on the it, bones as we speak, or have you have you thought in more detail about this? And have you spoken to um, the other major race that's organised in the Scottish capital to make sure that you're not, <laughs> you're not treading on their toes? Where, Should we do it, it on the same day as Edinburgh oh, next year? Oh my goodness. That would be brilliant. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. And it would be like is... the fringe to Edinburgh Festival, wouldn't it? <laughs> and we'd um, we'd make sure... Well, ours would be in the city and theirs would be such <laughs> a fun. So ours is going to be more convenient, so much more fun. Oh, but what you should do, you should make everyone walk a mile at the end. <laughs> with no what we'd, we'd market it with a really... The Edinburgh Great British in tiny Great um, Great British, um, and then Marathon. <laughs> just, they get really pissed off of our our brand association, and just direct people who are going to the end. Yeah, yeah, this way. Yeah, yeah. Hey, grab a pint. Yep, yep. Twenty six before to go. Just call it. Just call it the Edinburgh Fringe Marathon. Binge Marathon. Edinburgh Binge. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is, there's something spectacular about this. What I liked, about, if you listen to, if you haven't listened to last week's episode where we spoke to uh, Robbie Britton, it's an absolutely brilliant episode and Robbie was an absolute legend. Uh, but the bit I like most is also his vociferous hatred of Edinburgh as well. We didn't, we didn't even <laughs> pre-warn him. We didn't even him. him about it. <laughs> it just naturally flowed. He ran out of water for him as well. That's what I love about it. And he was it's like being at the front. Yeah, he'd been like the first guy through. You how, how have you run out of water? I'm the first one. Sorry, mate, no medals. Uh, run out already. Who the? <laughs> Unless there's thousands of Kenyans ahead of it. But I love the fact they... I don't know whether it's just that everyone we know happened to have run the two or three years they ran out of water. Or if they just run out of water every single year. Because you've got to think... It, They've got. What, they must have learned at some point. I know that's the thing. We're probably yeah, we're probably just focusing on like, yeah, the two years where it all went really badly wrong. Well, the lawyers haven't contacted. Well, your lawyer friend hasn't contacted us. So uh... yeah, I think we're in the clear. Yeah. So Absolutely. I think if we're in the clear, you're in the clear to to sort out the uh, the Edinburgh binge. I think as well with um, with with legal stuff, if you get away with it for so many weeks. It then they can't prosecute you. Ah, uh, yeah, that's like that statute of limitations, like, isn't like, it? Yeah, yeah, it's like squatting. That's it. yeah. If we could talk, if we talk about Edinburgh to episode hundred and fifty, they can't do anything <laughs> about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, well, well, that's well, I want to do it in November just because uh, it's. Oh, it'd be lovely amazing. and warm up there as well in, the, in November. Well, I've got to, the the challenge is finding the pub. And after that, I don't need to make too much money back to cover the costs of this marathon. So I can't imagine we'll have that many people. Probably 80, 100 people, I reckon. And uh, What happened to that um, that other race in Scotland that we, we, we talked about ages ago? The wine? Ago. Yeah. In Glasgow? Yeah, the, the, it turned out it was like one cup of wine at the end of 5K or something. It, it, it didn't sound as great as it has initially pushed itself as. Yeah, I don't think anyone's reported back. So hopefully... They'll well do balance. Get on the case. Let us know if, if any of you've done it. I imagine we've probably got some lessons in Glasgow, so hopefully someone's been there or witnessed it and taken part. Because it'd be great if it is a good event. But um, it could be we end up having a beerathon in each each capital. That'd be quality. Cardiff beerathon, Belfast beerathon. Yeah. I love Cardiff as well. Cardiff's great. Actually, I love Edinburgh. Actually, they're both brilliant cities. Just just need to find the right pub. If you're from Edinburgh or if you're from, uh, could, could even be Glasgow, uh, or if you're from Cardiff, and you know of a pub that don't mind a bit, a bit of shits and giggles, have a good beer garden, and they're next to a park or something where we can run approximately a mile, let us know, because that's the hardest part, finding a decent pub where the landlord's a good lad. Has to be relatively central as well. Yeah, ideally quite central. Yeah, If, if people can get there no, public charge. No, no Stansted-style uh, you know, pubs. Yeah. Yeah, that's. But I think we should be able to find one in Edinburgh. I'd have thought. And Cardiff, yeah, Cardiff's got to be some. Yeah, we'll find them. No problem. And actually, with Cardiff, the good thing is because the river is um, around the rugby stadium. There's loads of pubs there. There's the backpackers, and so we could do it from one of those and just run up and down the river over the bridges. Be yeah, brilliant be route. Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, because then you can see everyone coming back the other way, and yeah, we'll figure that out. But first, Edinburgh which might be more challenging, but they've got some cool parks. So, fingers crossed. 
Cool, man. Cool. So this week, we're not going to be talking about um, beer or alcohol-related. We're going to be talking about your, again, rather splendid performance, I, I hesitate to say, at uh, what you have been touting for a few weeks now <laughs> as, as the greatest race ever. No, no, it wasn't the greatest race ever. Because uh, Medoc slash Beer Lovers Marathon is always going to be, I think it's possibly the best marathon in the UK. The best marathon in the UK. That is. A... But, I mean, we're going to we're going to be talking more generally about mountain running and mountain marathons, aren't yeah. we? But and, and obviously, when I say the best, London's always going to be the best. Because <laughs> all the caveats already. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms, because of the size, because of the scale, uh, you know, it's nothing can ever compete with that but if you were if you were to choose a route and to choose a race just based on the joy of running it i'd say i can't think of any that's come close to this so you won this didn't you yeah yeah i mean and that's, that's that would have i meant i enjoyed it but actually even without that i can't think of a race where i was smiling or laughing so many times on the way around it's quite oh, rare really yeah, they've really gone to town on the. I think it's a rat race. You always know because they're they're not the cheapest, but it's because they they just they most races will find a venue and then plan a route around the venue. Whereas rat race, I think, think what is the most epic thing we can do? Right. right how can we make that happen? And so, have you seen any of the videos or the clips or photos or stuff? No, no, I haven't. So it started over Morecambe Bay, which, I mean, even the start was it just sets it up so nicely. It's, um, you go to this campsite in Morecambe Bay, and everyone stood around in the rain, which wasn't ideal, but you're all chatting there and getting to meet everyone. It's quite a bizarre start in that respect, and everyone's bricking it, thinking it's going to rain the whole time. And you look across the bay... And it's miles to the other side. Yeah. And you can see the sand, and, but you can still see parts of water. And the tide's going out still. And people, no one really knows exactly what's going to happen because such an unusual concept. But they had this guy called Cecil. Right. So he's, he's 82. And he's, the, he's like a, a Merlin, a wizard of the bay, where he's the only one who supposedly knows how to judge if the which sand is safe to to walk on when it's safe to go on it which routes to take because this is there's a couple of things where it could really put you in danger if you did it by yourself so one of them's a tide this is where all those chinese cockle pickers unfortunately died and they got caught with an incoming tide so you've got that but also there's just quicksand everywhere and if you in my head whenever I think of quicksand, it's the type of thing where when you get up to your waist, you're in real, you know, you're in real trouble. Yeah. Unless your mates are there. But actually, you could have your ankle in quicksand and very quickly just be stuck and then that's it. This doesn't sound like a great start to a race, to be honest. <laughs> but that's, that's what's great about it is everyone knows, well, everyone knows some everyone of these. Everyone knows you could die right at the start. Well, it's a little bit like the the camel spiders, where it's almost rumours. <laughs> oh, okay, and, okay, yeah, yeah. And no one actually knows what is likely, what's unlikely, 
and how it's going to work. And they've, they've put these quite detailed instructions on their website that everyone's read at most once and probably three months ago yeah. that says we may change the course at any time. If, you, if we say we have to walk as a group, we have to walk as a group. And they said that they, they, wouldn't, they didn't know how long the marathon was going to be because <laughs> in the morning, whatever the route is, is the distance and it could be a couple of K either way. Right, okay. So then you start and there's this tractor with Cecil on and he's got his apprentice who apparently has to be in his 70s and uh, and then these two two lovely old ladies on the back. So you start running along um, following this tractor which is quite jolly. I think they should have had a big stereo. Um, but <laughs> they then go through some water and you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm just splashing around a bit. And then it gets up to kind of your thigh and you feel the power of the the water going out and i was doing this little hop to try and keep moving quite try and keep quickly and i got to that stage I was like oh actually no if i fall over here i'm gonna be i'm gonna be swept out it's that powerful which is amazing i mean it, you'd, you'd be fine but you just go down and you'd, you'd then you'd be whooshed along and you'd, you'd then stand up and yeah. it'd be all right um but when you hear that you're like whoa this is crazy so me just start the race with completely wet shoes completely wet socks yeah. your, your, your legs are numb and it's this amazing route where you can see it was fairly cloudy but you can see quite a lot of the the hills on either side yeah and you're running along uh, looking at this uh, you get little parts of sand he's stuck these little bushes in the sand that apparently just stayed there yeah um, when the tide goes out so you're kind of running to those um, the the tractor was it's just ahead of you, and then at the, we get to the end. So it's about six or seven k running across this sand. It's quite a long way, and just just we got to the end, the helper jumps off the back. Um, and have you ever tried to jump off a train or a mo- you know have a car or anything moving at two miles an hour? It's far harder than you think. So this this old guy completely wipes out. And I was trying not to laugh. How old is he? 82, do you say? So Cecil's the driver. He's 82. This guy's guy's in his 70s, though. I love the fact that he's his apprentice, but he's in his 70s. So he's still plying his trade. Um, And yeah, completely white side. So I try not to laugh because he's almost too old for it to be funny. Because it's the type of thing you think, oh, he, he could have broken a hip or something there. Um, but you have that to start with. Then it uh, it takes you out along the, you then go along the promenade. Yeah. And all the locals are just going about their daily morning uh, kind of walk or jog. And when you look back, it's fantastic because you can see traipsed across all these people. Um, this, this snake of people going across the sand, which... It's probably never been seen before in, in Morecambe or, or possibly anywhere. Yeah. Seen like that. Um, you get to the tables, got a bit of food, got some drinks, and then you, that's when you start hitting the climbs. And it's not... It, so the rat race, there is this something called the vertical mile. Yeah. Which, so vertical, vertical kilometre. And the idea is that it's a separate race within a race. So whoever gets the quickest time on that wins a separate prize. Oh, Okay. Which I think is, I, I think it's a great idea, um, partly because a lot of these races are run with um, people running with their friends or with their family, and it get, it means you could have some runners who are doing it with a friend, but like right for this one k, I'm going to absolutely bang it out. Yeah. But 
they started the vertical kilometer at the end of a vertical kilometer. So you get there, out of breath, really knackered, and they go, right, vertical kilometer starts now. You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you then got to try it. I mean, I was, I was just riding normal pace anyway, but... Um, but if you were going for the vertical kilometer, oh, it's tough. And it's right at the beginning because you've done maybe 7K. So you're not much into the race. So you think, do I actually want to shred myself now for this prize, knowing I've still got 20 miles left? Whereas Man V Mountain, it's near the end, which if you've been saving yourself, you're going to give everything. Yeah. But you also know, no matter what happens, it's just a couple of miles left. And it's the war and it's fun. So, yeah, so they... They do that. You hit, you hit one of the the four peaks, and then from then on, it just goes crazy. The the, the terrain they chose. They had bracken, which was covering the route, so you're running downhills or uphills. These really narrow paths, but there were rocks on the path as well. Yeah, and so you could turn an ankle at any stage. And it's like, do I? Do I risk running or not? Because this could just end my race yeah. right now. Um, but it makes it, it was, it was so fun. And uh, and then you get to almost these swampy type glades at the top. I don't know how they found them. I don't know. That, and that's when you, I don't know if, if they were following paths that just hadn't been used for so long. Yeah. Or if they'd made their own paths. So you'd be go, in these glades, you'd be sinking in, you'd be kind of wading through, you'd be climbing. And they'd take you through some lakes for these little ponds for some reason at the top of the hills there's always ponds which doesn't make any sense to me and the lakes is weird you go to the top of i mean when I, I do a lot of like walking and stuff and you go you like climb up a mountain for like two hours like a fell for two hours you get to the top and it's like marshy and boggy and you're up to your knees and you're like how how is it wet at the top yeah it's, it's, it's just so bizarre <laughs> yeah and so we had um and, and the downhills as well, they're pretty fun. You could run those. But they had all these fences all the way along. Right. And it was so hard not to break all the fences. Because <laughs> they were all up. Well, the first one I came up to, I tried to climb. It was just a little fence. That, the typical fence kind of waist high, you know, chest high. Yeah. And so I, I ran up to it, tried to jump on it. And my foot just went through all this rotten woods. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> then they had another one at the end of this steep run. And I, I thought it was potentially open already. So I pushed it and I realized it wasn't. But because I was coming so quickly, it kind of ripped off. I probably shouldn't be saying all this. Time, <laughs> yeah, National Trust are listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, so they had all these different fences to be going on. I and mean, that makes it fun as well. And it kind of breaks it up. Yeah. And then they, uh, you then get to the to near Windermere yeah. and they have this huge crane with a rope bridge a rope across it um and um and some music and that is where you kind of launch yourself out into this this quite big pond small lake uh, which is pretty cool yeah uh, they're going into that there's this wooden the wood is deadly when it's wet i hadn't realized what to run going, on yeah yeah oh yeah 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 Oh, so they had this little footbridge, and because I was the first one through at that stage, um, the people hadn't really thought about. Oh, there's a wooden bridge, so <laughs> I just went just went straight down on it. Thank God I was okay. But yeah, you had this amazing swing out, which um, which is great when you're slightly tired. It's about twenty miles in, completely flushes your legs out, and then just loads of loads more hills. They took your trail all the way around Lake Windermere. Yeah. 
was it was technical pretty much the whole way round. Really? Yeah, really good. Um, I went the wrong way because I was focused so much on the ground. Ran down this hill, but actually it was signed really well. Other than that, and then you get to some water zones, which were nigh on impossible because you're so you cramp so much. And they they have these little big, well, they're, they're they're almost like a big t- a tablet, yeah. inflatable tablet that you know is impossible to climb on if you've ever done Dirty Weekend. So you then have to do these massive leaps across, just trying to dive on them so that you, you can actually jump from one to the other these life are just brilliant um and then the end was fantastic as well you're in this country estate massive slide to finish and it's, it's, it's one of those races where you just turn a corner and there's something else that makes you smile or something else that makes you laugh and yeah. it, i think with a marathon there's such a long distance that you can get to the stage where it's hurting and you're aching and you're not enjoying it and you just want it to be over and you're having to still push whereas with this because you're constantly changing or watching your feet or there's an obstacle or it just broke it up so well and this was on a pretty crappy day where thankfully it I mean, it didn't rain too much it, it did near the end but if if it was sunny it would be just beautiful the, the scenery and the the views would have been incredible yeah yeah! Wow. But um, are you tempted for next year? It does sound. That sounds great. I right. Like, this is right. This is the the thing that I struggle with. Yeah. It's like again. It sounds like there's obstacles in this. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there are. There's there's not many though, and there's nothing that is particularly tricky. Right. So the a lot most of them are silly and fun. So you'll have um, an inflatable. Yeah, but I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to beat your. Um, the uh, the marathon time that you set the winning time because of, because of these you know childish uh, childish obstacles that's that's the reason I might not do it I'd say with the water you're probably more suited towards the obstacles than you are to being a runner <laughs> <laughs> well by this time I will have done four laps of winter nuts so water <laughs> is going to be my best friend it will be actually <laughs> yeah I mean actually the temperature of the water was amazing it was because you know when it's quite warm rain. So, when you got in the water, you're like, oh, this is actually refreshing. Yeah. But the, the it's a bit like Manly Mountain. They they have obstacles, but none of them because you can't do hard obstacles because people would cramp up too much. Right. Okay. And uh, or people get too cold, or it's just too hard to to regulate safety in water. Yeah. Uh, uh, safely, and even on this one little section, we had the monkey bars. You had. A, a little swim, jumping on a raft, and then jumping over. They had <laughs> just the way to, yeah, some monkey bars, yeah, a little swim, and you make it sound like it's a fucking holiday camp. It is. It is. <laughs> it, I mean, they these are. It, it's probably over the, the space of fifty meters right. total, so maybe less than that, twenty meters out and back. So it's really not very far. But even on that, they had I think five people. In, in kayaks and so because it's so hard for health and safety reasons you um yeah it limits how much they can actually do yeah yeah i think it's i've never thinking about it then i've never run a race where you'd have to do anything other than running in like halfway through mm. to me i don't know i just i don't know how i feel i you know well, you know when you get to like late in a trail marathon or in an ultra yeah. or, you know, a trail ultra or something like that 
and um, it becomes a bloody nightmare getting over styles and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but actually to go and do something that breaks it up, I, d- I can see why that would actually be quite beneficial because it can be really easy to get into that whole sort of trudging along yeah. thing. And actually you're doing something that probably you know, uses a different part of your body or, you know, like you say, gets you in the water. I don't know. I, I think that sounds interesting. And in the same way you've got when you go to an aid station on a, an old train, it's something to look forward to. It's something oh, yes. that something you know is coming. What was it? What so were they like? Were they, what was the food like? Uh, well, I didn't really stop much. Oh, what was the uh, point? What is the yeah. point of you doing a, a review when you don't even focus on the most important part? Sod the water obstacles. What is the food like? Yeah, I know they had. They they had a lot of cliff stuff, oh, that's and right. yeah, so I mean that's pretty good actually because they got a variety yeah, of things. Yeah. So. And they had they definitely had cake. They definitely yes. had crisps. Yes. So it was more like an ultra. That's tape. good. That's good. Yeah, I mean people were enjoying it for sure, and, and there was hot soup at the end, which was pretty nice. I like it. I like it. That sounds that sounds good. You've enticed me there. If there's cake, anyone that can put cake on. Yeah, no, good. exactly. Was it chocolate cake or was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Of course it was. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a birthday cake, chocolate birthday cake, and you had to blow the candles out before you were allowed to eat it. It was another technical <laughs> challenge. Feel, <laughs> I but think there were those candles I'd that struggle, could, I'd struggle with like, that. <laughs> they're the ones that you blow out and they come back. Like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Jody's been at the aid station for, for like two and a half hours trying to blow out those candles. He's eaten the cake. The candles are just still there. <laughs> yeah, is that how you get heartburn? <laughs> that's how I get, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's not the food, it's the candles that I can't blow out. <laughs> but they, the thing is with the Lake District, though, it's such an arse to get to. Well, well, it is if you don't live in the Lake District. Yeah, because even if you live in Liverpool... Manchester. Manchester is not difficult to get. It's all right. Well, it's because as soon as you're, you're you're only twenty miles away, but then you realise it's gonna t- you've got to get around Windermere or. Are you saying you're saying this? Did you yeah. did you have to travel there by train, or was it basically get yourself to someone's car and they drove you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hell Thanks, Pete. Chauffeur service. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even sure where the Lake District is, to be honest. <laughs> But the that was the only thing about the race, and I'm, I I hope they they change it next year. It was pretty hard logistically because you you had to register on the Friday, right? Okay. We had to get there before ten. So where, where did you stay? Where do you stay? Do you stay in Morecambe or something? So you could do, but you wouldn't want to. Then there's so you, there's a camping there's a campsite in Morecambe. You could have camped at the finish line, but only on the Friday night, right? Or near to the finish line, there is a there's a few towns. Oh, it's Windermere, isn't it? Yeah. So it's. Uh, but don't you finish yeah. on the other side of Windermere? No, they they they. Um... You don't you finish opposite the opposite the town of Windermere on the other side. Oh yeah, it's not on. Yeah, you're not on the same side as Windermere. So you're near to where Beatrix Potter is from. That place. Oh right, that was, that must be very useful. Yeah, uh, wherever that place is. So it's just a little town. So it meant that if you camped out on where the start was, yeah. um, so so where the finish was, you, which meant you were you came back to your stuff. 
you can only camp there on the first night. So do you then stay around and find somewhere else for the second night? Or does that mean you then drive back at the end of a mountain marathon? Um, or if you camp where the start is, then how do you get back to the start? Because they had buses going from the, the, the start, from the finish to the start. They didn't have, I'm not sure they had buses from the start to the finish. Yeah, anyway. They had buses from the finish to the start in the morning, but not after the race. Right. And so it would be tricky to then get your car back. And so it just meant there were three places you had to get to, but there was no one easy solution for all of it. Um, and so a lot of people were driving back on the, the Saturday, which is a shame. I mean, for me, rat race events are brilliant because at the end of the race, there's always a, you know, such a buzz yeah. in the in the, the the, the camp and then there's normally at least an after pub oh, okay. venue that most are going to or something like the dirt weekend where the proper party but this one was it was it was good energy at the finish because they had a big marquee and they had a bar in there but a lot of the people were going home a lot of them were then staying in scattered bed and breakfasts which may or may not be near to a town yeah, and and so we ended up in a in a. We, I mean, we were thankfully I crashed with Pete, and we were staying in the hostel, the youth hostel that the, the rat race guys were. But even going into the town, there were four restaurants. So there were four pubs, and they were the only place you could get food, and all of them were fully booked, <laughs> which was crazy. I mean, so trying to get food sorted before oh, nine o'clock man. was nine impossible. Oh man! Yeah. So the race is amazing, but. It's it's a proper mission. I'm sure they'll figure it out for next year. Yeah, yeah. Those things are always an issue, aren't they? Because they, they and I suppose the uh, local businesses they don't. It takes them by surprise a bit as well. Um, well, there's just nothing they could do if yeah. they're you know they've sold out, and especially first year, there's people have less notice, and normally knows what to expect in the same way. If they could book out the the hostel, for example, because I think that had 350 potentially in it right. that would be incredible because you can walk to it from the finish and it's got it's, it's on the lake and um it's got loads of space but i i i imagine it's probably the type of hostel that has so much business from school trips week trips that for them a weekend of some piss heads isn't going to be of what, interest what they should do is they should get you to book the hostel and then you'll book somewhere 150 kilometres away that will be empty. It'll be perfect. <laughs> it will be. I put the place in uh, in Belgium. <laughs> in Belgium, yeah. Yeah. If you didn't, if you don't understand that reference, so you, you need to go back and listen to the Beer Lovers Marathon um, episode where um, David had the. It took responsibility for organising accommodation um, and decided to book um, a hostel well in advance of everyone else. Not not in the age. But 150 miles away in where was it? It was in. It was a Never famous, heard of the place. Famous yeah. town, wasn't it? I don't know. I can't even. I can't even remember it now. But but they could. Um, there must be a farmer somewhere who'd have a field that you could stay in, or or if the the finish you could you could camp for two nights. That was that would be all it would take. You need to. What you need to do is you need to like think on your feet about creating Hellard stock. Get a field, get organise it for that night. How many people were, were, were doing the race? There were, 
I'm going to say 700. 700? Like, that's more than enough for, you, for your own music festival. Yeah, I mean, if, you could, if there's any farmers around there. You could do that would be That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be great. But I think Rat Race would, would look to do it if they can. Because uh, they, I mean, they're, they're savvy enough that they want people drinking beer all night long. And they know as well that if you, as soon as you've got, because the difference between a race, you're, you're, you're prepared to pay a lot more for a weekend than you yeah. are for a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they put the evening on, they just get some covers band or uh, some local band to play. And then suddenly you're like, okay, I'm, I'm paying for a weekend rather than just this race. I'm staying for the whole weekend. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make, meet loads of people that I know from other rat race events. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's when it becomes perfect race type territory, I think. But uh, they're, they're thinking of doing some more Man Vs, apparently. Oh, well, what, Man versus Man versus Norfolk? That's a trouble. They've done... We could have one in Exmoor, couldn't you? What would that be? Man versus Moor. Man versus Moor, that would be good. Yeah, that would work. That would be and boring, then, though, wouldn't it? it would, that would be really boring. I'm trying to think what the terrain's like around there. I mean, they're doing the Red Bull steeplechase down there, and yeah. it's got 1,800 metres of ascent, so it could be a punchy-as-hell race. But the, I think the trouble is a rat race now. Man versus tourists. Do it along. Do it through London. Ah, oh, through Oxford Street. <laughs> yeah. Man versus man. Man versus man. <laughs> man through Denmark. Man, <laughs> man versus man on man. Versus <laughs> man with man. <laughs> but it's going to be quite interesting to see what they do because if you if you do, have you done any rat race? No, I've not. I've not done a, amazingly. I've not done a rat race event. So they, they're, they're quite expensive, but they've got a really good deal on their season pass. Right. The trouble is, if they do more races, the, the season pass will have to go up in price, or else people are going to get too good a deal. Because suddenly, if you've got a season pass for everything, you'll get more and more of these races. And so yeah. they'll either have to up the rate, but at which point I don't think they can really up it much more, because you're, you're limited... People aren't, people, it's only good value for money based on how many races people do and people aren't going to want to think okay I'm going to do 20 races this year so <laughs> some will yeah some yeah, some will and actually there was there's a few guys there who'd run the wall a few weeks before who yeah. I think were, were pretty insane to then run this one because they were they weren't healed um, and you know who you are Adam and Richard but yeah they were they'd, they'd run the 68 miles I think it was across the, the Hadrian's Wall. Yeah. And two, I think it was two weeks later that they then came and did this. And it's an unforgiving course because of the hills. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, hopefully they're okay. But that's the trouble. The you um, So there's only so many races of rat race you'd, you'd put in your calendar, I think, because a lot of them are so epic. Yeah. And that limits, how, therefore, how much you're prepared to pay for a season pass. But potentially, some people could do them all. So... The more races they put on, it's going to cause a problem of what should we do with our season pass? Should we keep it at a price that people are prepared to pay, but potentially some people are going to just have the best deal ever, or we're going to up it and suddenly it's out of a lot of people's price range? Right. So, so I've, yeah, I've not done a rat race. Amazing. I'm absolutely stunned that I've never done a, a rat race. Yeah. But yeah, I'll. Um, when I'm uh, when I'm running again, it looks like uh, looks like something to uh, to. So do. 
But mountain marathons, have you have, have you done many ultras in what we call a mountain or hilly or that type of territory? The Alps. Of course. The Transalpine, which you couldn't, you couldn't get any more hilly, I think, with that. <laughs> How many metres of ascent was that? Two and a half thousand a day. And over... 25, 25 miles a day, two, thousand, two and a half thousand a day, um, oh, ascent and descent. How many days? Eight days. Oh, <laughs> wow. I told you, didn't I, before, that um, I've got this book, um, Extreme Running, and I basically pull out all the races that I ever wanted to do from it. Yeah. Um, and when this book was published, um, the Transalpine was only five days, mm. and uh, they extended it to, uh, to, to eight days. Uh, so by right. the time... I don't know, just to eight. I mean, eight days is a is a long time. Yeah, um, but but also in terms of like five days is long, and like, do you need to make it any tougher? And also suddenly you're going into more than one week, yeah. and that just makes it just makes it annoying if you're trying to get time off work or you're trying to plan things. Or yeah, but if you're if you're a professional uh, running journalist, it's uh... that's true. Yeah, it's just more days to get paid. Notice how I've used the term professional, but. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that's it. It doesn't work that way, though, does it? It's not as if you get paid by the day; you just get paid for the article. But, um, but yeah, that was um, that was probably. I would I would suggest that was a, probably the hardest race that um, I'd done um, in terms of just the how grueling it was. Because it's one of those things where, I mean, very few people were running uphill. Um, I mean, we yeah, you know, we were in Kitzbühel, and we were one of the days was basically you run out of the out of the town um straight onto the downhill slalom slope and you were just walking up it and that was you know <laughs> for like you were like walking up it for like two hours oh god and actually in that situation where i've you know i've got a lot of um i can really sort of grind it out so you know mm. everyone's got poles um mm. and you can really sort of grind it out and some of the people some of the runners struggle with that a little bit walking for that amount of time um, yeah. So go So some of those uphills and stuff on on some of those like sort of mountain marathons and everything, um, I'm I'm good at. Uh, it's just it's the downhill. Uh, you've got to some of the some of the downhill, um, you know, some of the descents and and some of the terrain and the way that people you know you see fell racing and stuff and people are throwing themselves down downhill. When I did the um, oh what was it called um, uh, the fan dance. Yeah, um, and people throwing themselves down the hill, you know, getting to the top, throwing themselves down. Well, you know, at least there is some element of, uh, you know, uh, there's grass, there's sort of shrubs, there's all sorts yeah. of things that you know, if you fall, you're not falling straight onto rock necessarily. You, there's, there's a lot of rock and everything, but you, there still yeah. could be something into a cushion of fall. In the Alps, I mean, it, you, you fall down this, and you are you're like seriously injured, and there were so many injuries. There were so many times a helicopter was called to pull people off the mountain, and like so oh, after the first two days, these injuries that people had were horrific, just horrific. And I just I I that's one element that I never really practiced. I mean, I I've been running, uh, I, yeah, I can run downhill, you know, pretty fast and stuff. But you would think, you know, like you were saying with uh, when you were running. Um, uh, and you were concentrating on your feet. Mm. Concentrate. It, it's you're, you're running in this absolutely beautiful uh, surroundings, but you can't lift your head up at any point. Yeah. Because just one wrong move with your foot, and we you know some, there were some times when I just thought, 
actually, it's just like I'm just going down a mountain. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm climbing slowly down a mountain, and people will come by with the most amazing technique, just fly by you and just like two or three touches and be past you. And you're like, how, how is that even possible? Um, <laughs> but then, but I but, think as well, if you, if you don't know the route, it, it can be really dangerous because once you pick up speed, you can't brake. No. And so if you suddenly get into a, a really tight turn, you might not be able to make it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and some of these, I mean, I think the, the routes are, I don't know how well known the routes are. They cer- certainly take the general routes. Each year they vary it. They have a western route and an eastern route. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like some of the, some of the but, but, you know, the, then uphills were the equaliser. So you'd get, if you were good on, if you were good at, you know, there was very, there were a lot of times where you could run uphill. Mm. And it was fine, and there were times where there was just no way you were going to run uphill. You, you know, it was it, it was it was sheer. Um, and in those times, you know, good good walkers can you know catch up with some of the um, some of the quicker ones and everything. But yeah, it's you know, I think mountain mountain racing really is about being able to have that sort of that concentration and and, and that downhill experience. And how much do you think is? Is experience and how much is just the bravery or stupidity potentially? Well, I think it's a bit of both, isn't there? Uh, I think the bravery comes from experience because you know yeah. what you're capable of. I mean, you can. It's pretty. You can. You you can always go a lot quicker than you think. You your mind can think a lot quicker, and it's also it's, you know. It's, but the simple things like we got to the top of um, of one, and there was snow up there. I mean, this thing, you were going into altitude and that's something I've never experienced in a, in a race before. Get, you know, get the air getting thinner. And so you actually physically, well, I had to sit down, you know, a couple of times, which you wouldn't normally expect to do on a, on a race. Um, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And, um, but then you get to the top and there'd be a slab there and you would see people were, were sort of, there was snow on it and people running across. And you can see all the experienced ones because the way that they were running across was differently from the people who were doing it and slipping over. Um, so you, the experience oh, okay. allows you to know, you know, what, what rock, you know, how a rock formation looks. Um, yeah. so you know how to, how to run across it properly. Um, and you know, it's, it's also, it's a combination. And you know, the thing is it's 25 miles a day. You've got to be sharp the whole time. There's none of this, you know, oh, we'll just get the, we'll get the, the mountain part done. And then, you know, it's just a, a case of sort of running on the road afterwards or running on some, you know, some yeah. like trail and everything. It was it was pretty intense, um, pretty much all the time. I wonder if I've got a um, a, a course profile here. I think as well the, the trouble is if you uh, downhills will trash your legs if you if you run aggressively, and even if you don't trash your legs, far worse than uphills. Oh, absolutely. And so if you, I mean, I, I I'm I'm a quick downhill runner, but it comes at a price for me, and. I think I'd really struggle to do multi-day downhills because I do completely trash my quads whenever I run. Whereas some downhill runners, they don't absorb any of the impact and they come out as if they've not been running really because they haven't. They've just been almost um, dancing down using gravity. And so a race like that, you've really got to be, You've got to know what style of downhill run you are as well, because yeah, it's it's like you can't you ha- when you when you uh, when you run on that downhill, if you're engaging any muscle in order to try and stop yourself to pull yourself up, that's bad. That's really yeah. bad because after you know over over the course of two hundred miles, which you know the, the length of the race, 
that's going to take a big, big toll on, on, on your body, even during the, yeah, the 25 mile stretch. So if you're engaging yeah. those muscles, then you, it, you just like you say, you need to be running um, using gravity to effectively pull you down and knowing just having a really sort of light touch with your feet. I mean, after, after doing it, I was like, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to run um, <laughs> a mountain race again that's like this. Because oh, UTMB was one that I always wanted to do. And I'm like, if the UTMB yeah. is like this, I don't know. I sh- it, made me, it made me properly um, feel shit about my ability. Um, yeah. And I thought, do I actually want to do more of this? Or, you know. So even by the end of eight days, you weren't thinking, I've got it now? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I think I, I, it's one of those ones you go into the, like, I went into this completely um, unprepared in terms of yeah. the technicality of it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, the thing is, I keep talking about technicality. It's not, it, it's not too technical. Anyway, I, anyone can run it. Uh, it's just, it's that technique of being, to, being able to run um, downhill that really was, was really the main issue for me. The, yeah, the descents were just, I mean, they were just crazy. I mean, like, you'd look at them, you're like, I mean, there, was, there were points where, you seem to be going down like a kilometre of scree and yeah. people were like, you know, above you and it was all falling down on top of you and you were just thinking, this is crazy. Oh I mean, a scree is amazing. awful. It's just yeah. awful. You know, even, even when you're walking, yeah. you know, the, you have to do the, the Transalpine you do in pairs. So, you know, my, my running partner who it would be fair to say I didn't get on with, um, <laughs> uh, he, you know, he, he's a, you know, he was a, a really strong runner. And, you know, he'd go out fast every day. But then, you know, two days later, his legs would be screwed. And then mm. he, 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 would, he, would, he would have to hobble along, you know, because the, the impact it had on your, um, on your quads, especially, the quads and your knees. I mean, like, the people were having everything taped up. I mean, the, you know, they, the, um, the, the organisers of this, they know... It's, well, it's just, you get to the end of each stage and it's like a... Um, like one of those sort of like army medical camps when someone comes in for war, uh, and there's just people are being taped up and you know what's that? What's that coloured tape co- called? It's like people are just wrapped in that. And it's yeah, like mummy. <laughs> yeah. Because I think people people are scared of running down hills because the main worry is going over your ankle. Yeah. Um, and and actually, once you start running down hills quickly, you realise that it's almost safer in some respects as long as you don't full completely um you can because you're running so quickly you're not actually putting much force through your legs no you're just almost using the rocks to guide um your next step rather than stepping yes so you can get into a position i mean i've, I've done it quite a few times where I've, I've landed on a rock where my ankle's gone and if i was running normally I'd have turned my ankle and that would be it. But because so little force is be- is going down on the ankle, it's more being using it to just control. It goes slightly, but then your your weight's already past your ankle and moving to your next step. And so you, you could be completely out of balance, but then you're waving your arms and you're you're slightly out of control. Yeah. But because of the way you're running and the speed you're going your ankles never actually feel that force. And so you, you just end up not doing anything to your ankles when you would if you were running normally. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, but the thing is, it's like, it's, you know, what Robbie was saying um, last, uh, the last episode, 
Mm. I mean, where, you know, in the UK, where do you train for that? You know, what you go up Snowdon, uh, you go. I mean, like, actually, the closest would be going to um, Snowdonia and training there yeah. to do it, because you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do it on Scaffold Pike. There's the down. There's some. There's definitely places down. Well, even in the um, the Peak District, you can. There, there are some good hills. I mean, the the Red Bull Steeplechase. I went down. Uh, I fell. And uh, completely skinned my arm, uh, skinned my legs, and so you can practice because I think you probably w- you won't be able to practice the length of ascent, yeah, or descent, but you could get some decent, some very decent runs down. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there was some sometimes, you know, when you see those, you know, especially in like Austria and and over the Alps, you have those long winding roads. That just mm. wind down and down, and those you know running down those w- w- was great. I mean, they always put them at the end of uh, of the day, but they were yeah. you know because you'd always go you'd be going um, from a, one village up into the mountains and then coming back down on another village. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, they'd be great, and it felt like it, that, that that was probably in terms of um, running the most frustrating because you could never get into a rhythm with anything. Um, you'd have like you wouldn't have too long a period. The, the, my favourite part of the whole race was a period where we were actually running on, um, it was partly on road, partly on trail, um, and it was probably a 10 mile sort of stretch, and it was great, and that was probably my strongest, my strongest point, and everyone complained about it, everyone <laughs> complained about how, you know, because they, they were all like mountain runners, everyone complained yeah. about how it, it you know, sort of ruined it and, and it, even with that 10 mile one they had to still put like a bit of a bump in the middle of it um, which yeah. is a, a sort of a bit of a climb up but yeah I mean like the thing is you're running with you know, the, the people who are running this they are the, the toll that it took on some people like you'd see someone who'd be absolutely fine one minute and then you go you know you go up a, an ascent and down a descent and you, they, you find them sat there crying to themselves you'd be like what What's oh. happened? I don't know. You know, what's happened is something. Something's taken some sort of mental toll on them. <laughs> halfway between. So, but I, but I think you can practice this even in. You, you can do it in London quite easily. It doesn't take that big a hill to be able to practice running down because it's not necessarily the technique of where you put your feet, which is important. But it's just getting used to the feeling of getting your body, your your weight more forward than normal yeah and and almost losing control well that's it isn't it it's having the that center of gravity in f- just slightly in front of your feet isn't it especially yeah. you know, as you're leaning forward into it and because when i've talked about the roller coaster that his side do sometimes oh, yeah. which you just go up and down and even on that um the difference between myself and some other guys i run with um i fly past them because they they're just not used to changing the center of gravity and letting letting yourself feel like you're slightly falling and you can do that on on a 50 meter hill yeah and and it's, if you get used to that feeling that's almost the most important part um it's going to be very hard for you to get experience of running on really technical trail without doing technical trail but actually for running the most of the races you're going to do anyway aren't going to be that technical and the chances are if they are that technical you, you wouldn't want to be flying down them anyway but if you can so many people go out and they train for hills uh, or they train for speed but no, they never train for downhills no no that's it and you know I, when i when i think about how i prepared for it 
and I was thinking about doing hill repeats and running up the hills and stuff. And actually, there was very few situations where you could really run up a lot of the hills there were. And I thought, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I didn't do anything at all on the downhills thinking, you know, on my technique and that was probably you know which seems crazy going into um yeah into the transalpine um and all but, these plans you look at they say run up a hill yeah. jog back down like no run up a hill run back down yeah. then take a break absolutely absolutely yeah so to give you an indication of what the um, course profile was have a look in the uh the ones that i've just sent you so we're going to post these in the yeah the these Facebook were group. like individual days god they're punchy oh wow yeah, sorry, it's not very good for a listener. <laughs> but yeah, there's the, the, it doesn't look like there's any flat at all. No, like I said, on, on one day when I when I did it, there was um, like an element of flat, and it's just it's just uphill or downhill, and it it becomes so draining. It just becomes so draining. Like you you don't ever. It's really difficult to get your momentum going. Um, so you know, I mean, it's it was stunning, and the food, you know. The thing that moved me quick was the fact that the fuel stations were amazing. But yeah, it was uh, just just sort of a really technical thing. But yeah, I think that's the, that is the biggest thing about hill training and specifically mountain training is training on the downhills. There is this. How many? I, I've not seen a huge amount of articles and stuff on on downhill. I don't. I, I haven't like specifically looked for them because since um, since doing the Transalpine, it's never been that much of an issue. Um, but if you are downhill runner though versus an uphill. Because if you think about how much quicker you can go uphill than someone who's, who's slower, if someone's walking and someone's going flat out, you're not going to be that much ahead of them because you're limited in your speed, even if you're running, yeah. at a mile an hour quicker. Whereas if you're someone who can run flat out downhill, you could, if it's a hard downhill, someone might be going slower than their normal running pace. And you're going two minutes a mile faster than your normal running pace. Because you could have people who are averaging seven minutes a mile normally doing 5.30s, five-minute miles downhills. But someone who's really nervous could be doing eight-minute miles. So you've got three-minute difference per mile. And you're not going to get that running up a hill. No. Because one guy's going to be walking it. The other guy's going to be running it at five miles an hour. You're rarely going to have the opportunity that the guy's going to build up such a lead. So actually getting good at downhills, because I can't do uphills. People don't really realize that. But I only do well in these events, partly because I go into the trained well, but also because the downhills I can just stretch away. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that, that's the, like, the really surprising thing about it. It's just how much work you need to do on the, on the downhill. And you just think, well, it's just, you're just running downhill, aren't you? But yeah, I mean, it applies to the same thing. You know, even running uphill, it's, how, it's leaning into it as well. And um, you know, letting your legs like move behind you rather than using your legs to pull your body up up the hill. Yeah, as it goes. Sh- shortening your stride as well. Or if you are walking, just making sure you've got a completely flat foot so you're engaging your glutes rather than just doing it on your calves. I mean, this, these are one of the things where I I had um, had walking poles and uh, they snapped on the second day because I slipped on some mud. And there, was, there was a point where we were running down and it was on grass and the grass was quite long. And mm. it was so slippery, and it was like there wasn't a path there. There was just grass, and it was so dangerous. And I just kept thinking, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna end up breaking something. I, you know, I was like properly, I, I properly had the fear, and and so I put a, a pole out, and it snapped in half, which is a pretty impressive thing for a pole to do. 
uh, <laughs> and so I had to I had to get some I had to get some new uh, lecky poles uh, in order to like finish the uh, finish the event. But yeah, you ha- you have to really learn how to how to use them because it, it, you know over over the course of say two hundred miles, and so over the course of if you do like UTMB or something like that, that's extra amount of um, support and momentum that you can give yourself going up a hill will make all the difference. The extra you know amount of energy you save or you know um, will, will will make all the difference. So you're you're effectively you you know if you were going to start do, wanted to do like these big technical mountains, you need to learn. How to use poles properly for the for the ascent, and then how to run downhill, you know, with these with these like incredibly like long, long, long technical descents, um, yeah. which are two skills which are you know, <laughs> which you know just they never get any focus because we don't we don't have the Alps in. Yeah, in I guess we don't need I guess we don't need to focus yeah. that much because we're never we're never running them. But I, I remember going out with when I was on the UK Challenge the first time I went with this guy called. Uh, Dave Dog, his, uh, his nickname was. Great, <laughs> oh, thank God it's his nickname. Uh, yeah, so he was Dave Dog, I was Dave Bone. Um, so we were Dog and Bone. And he, he was really good at mountain biking. Yeah. But wasn't a particularly experienced technical trail runner. Yeah. So the first day we went out, and I was, I was shit scared on the mountain bike because I hadn't done a huge amount of downhill mountain biking. And it took me a while um, to realise... Well, actually, what would happen is he'd lead and I'd just follow him. Right. And in my head, I was thinking, well, if, if it, it wasn't really hard to necessarily navigate. There weren't really tight corners and things like that. You weren't having to change speeds. But it was really rocky going downhill. So I think that was Exmoor. And I figured, well, if he can do it at this speed, then I should be able to do it. <laughs> but it, it meant I was just shitting myself because I, I, I was out of my yeah. comfort zone of what I could control. But I realised going down the hills on the bike is so much easier and safer when you're quick, because if you're going slowly and you hit a big stone, yeah. you're going to flip, or it's going to completely alter your direction. Whereas if you're going quickly enough, you've got so much momentum that either um, it knocks the the stone away, or you just, it just you're already past it by the time it starts to try to flip you. So it was actually. To a, to a certain extent, it felt well. It felt more dangerous, but was far safer. Safer. Yeah. And then the next day, or maybe even later that day, we then were doing trail running, and he had the same experience where he'd always been cautious going down hills. Yeah. And he suddenly realised, oh, it's exactly the same thing. The faster you go down it, in some ways, the, as long as you don't lose control, the safer it is because you're not putting any weight through your ankles or your legs. No. You're not gonna. You're not gonna turn anything. It's real. It's so much easier said than done. <laughs> in that yeah, situation, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a complete wuss when it comes to. I mean, I, I remember I went and did snowboarding once, and they were like, "Yeah, let's go down this run." And I'm like, I, you know, I was. It, it was a week of being absolutely petrified because you know you feel completely out of control. But that's it. And again, that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's experience. Once you realise, you know, that you can trust your, trust your feet. To yeah. to you know to uh, to stabilise you and you learn to trust your ability to to read the terrain as you're running down. You, you, and, you and also you trusting that you you're you're always going to find somewhere for your feet. That's it, absolutely. Because you end up you don't look you're never looking at your step. You're looking at the next step. Yes, that's it. Which is it, weird because yeah. you you never see where your feet are going, but you're just looking ahead, and for some reason it just works. And your brain is quicker than your subconscious brain is quicker than your conscious brain, 
and so you're you don't know how the hell you're doing it but you're just finding steps that's, that's why this should never be combined with a beer marathon of some sort. <laughs> oh yeah could you that'd, that'd be deadly yeah, it's just not only do you have to look out, you might be slipping on vomit as well up a mountain. Or, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The thing is, now now we're talking about it, and as I with Robbie talking about it last week, it has that weird effect of talking about how awful it is. But mm. now I have this urge to go out and do it again. Like UTMB sounds really interesting because it like it's always been one of my one of the ones I wanted to do, and just mastering you know running downhill. And those uphills. I don't know. Why does why does it do that? Why do you have like a race that you absolutely hate and you you say I'm never gonna do it again and then all of a sudden it holds that makes you want to go back yeah. and do it? I think you forget you forget the pain, you remember the elation and you Well just in life in general, I think you forget and you're an idiot as well. Yeah, you just forget how hard things are and you end up instead Yeah, like MDS. I just remember all the iconic moments, the amazing moments. Yeah. And 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 all everything else just merges into one. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Oh, yeah, I don't I think it's you if you ask me about any of like the big races I've done, you know, what is the what you know, how did you feel? I I remember like South Down Way one hundred, I went you know, I don't when you thought, when I think about the MDS, I don't think at any point where I was I was hurting or or anything. I do I don't think of it as hard at all. I know mean, you're just yeah. talking in sort of blase terms. I wasn't running it yeah. as hard as you were, but I certainly don't think of it as, as hard. I do yeah. I do think I do actually remember the Transalpine as being hard though. But that's only because I I, I was scared a lot of the time. And and for the cause I'm I'm actually free the weekend of I think the UTMB. I haven't quite figured out how that works, but um, Jason, the guy who's running MDS with the American guy, he's going out there to oh, yeah. take on UTMB, and I, I think he wants to do really well. But it looks as if it's there's a seven day festival or a five day festival in Chamonix, yeah. and I can't quite figure out on what days what the CCC, the UTMB, oh, yeah. if, the TDS, I, yeah, all the yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if I just turn up for the weekend, am I going to miss everything? Could I take part in stuff? Is it all watching? Is it worth going to watch? I don't think you've, yeah, you, well, you need, all of those you need points for. So you'll have yeah. to get, yeah, UTM points. So you wouldn't be able to turn up. But, um, but yeah, those, those different ones, the, uh, the TDS and the CCC and all that, those are, those are additional races that are created that are either more technical or, yeah. or more hardcore. Yeah, UTMB on its own is not hardcore enough. So what we'll do, we'll create other races which are a little bit more hardcore. But I don't know. I've never been there. I fancy it. I fancy going to Chamonix to, uh, to check it out. It's supposed to be incredible, though. Mm. It's supposed to be incredible. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because, I mean, Robbie's going to be out there. And uh, Jason's coming over. Uh, Claire, my missus, her brother lives in Chamonix. Oh, so, nice. Nice. Work yeah, that out so straight away. Yeah, so I've got three, three, three people to kind of... I, I probably wouldn't want to be in Robbie or Jason's hair because I think Robbie said he was in the CCC, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And and Jason's going out to try and, I, I guess, probably podium. So I wouldn't want to be <laughs> being, hey, guys, yeah. <laughs> hey, Come guys, on. bad boy running hey, exclusive more interview, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, more beers won't do any harm. Hey, we can stay up till three. So, um, yeah, but we're docking yeah, but I don't know if I should. If, I don't know if I'll just go out and end up being frustrated on not running, or if I'll go out and just think this is brilliant. Yeah, it's difficult. So, to uh, know. okay, so, so you're not sure how the week works or how it? No, no, not at all, not at all. You should have asked Robbie last time. 
Yeah, I only thought about it afterwards, actually. I'll, I'll give him a quick message. Go on, look, but, um, so quickly, so quickly, I've sent you a picture just to show you what my, my love of, uh, this explains the love of ultras. Have a look at the um, one of the food stations. What are those trays? Are they meats? That's, fo- that's all, that's all, that's cake. That's all cake. <laughs> it's cake strudel. <laughs> it's amazing. Where was this? Um, in, in the Alps? Uh yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. I think this might have been at the end, actually. So we'll post this in the Facebook group as well. It's quite hard to see exactly what it is because they all seem to be covered in caster sugar. Either that or it's just trays and trays of just cake. massive tray bakes. Yeah, that does look good. And as a supporter, would I be allowed to? Kind of help myself to that as well. No, no, you couldn't. You try to steal food as a as a as a pacer. You're not certainly not going to be taking it. As a support. Actually, my, there was someone who turn up every now and then who was like supporting someone on the uh, Transalpine, which is that is that is a difficult difficult race to spectate. But this bloke turned up, just sat there like. Well, looking slightly weird and pervyish, actually, because you know you'd come around a corner and then there'd be blokes staring at you. Who was you know? But yeah, that, that's a weird one to uh, to to come along and uh, support someone on because it's just be it's, it's, well, it's, it's point to point, isn't it? You, you start in Germany and you finish in Italy. Oh, so you've got to be moving quicker than the runners. Yeah, along probably harder routes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, difficult one. Difficult one. But um, to to lead us into some feedback from uh, the do batters. One thing that was noticed, uh, noted by one of the do-batters, um, by Josh, actually, Josh Stevens. Yeah. During the Man V Lakes, I made a few segments, uh, um, which I called the Bad Boy Running Podcast, and then Hill Number 1, or Ascent Number 1, or just to get some... Smart. some cheeky. Yeah, I think it's called um, Hacking. Yeah, I was, I was oh, doing hacking, some... Yeah, I was doing some marketing hacking, nice. growth hacking, growth hacking. For the bad boy running community. <laughs> gorilla, it's gorilla marketing, isn't it? Gorilla marketing, yeah. yeah. Uh, except someone else had put a segment on there called Wetter Than Hellard's Misses. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes straight through the water. <laughs> but weirdly enough, it seems to be the one segment that I'm not on. What? Well, how? How are you... How did you not do I have that? I no idea. Oh, wait, you didn't do some uh, aggressive cornering, did you? <laughs> it could have been. Well, I, I've gone back through it to figure it out because I'm not on the leaderboard. And all what? I can... I, I can remember there's one point where I saw a sign with an arrow and I didn't know if it was into where this house was or along the path. I carried along the path and I remember thinking, it's been a reasonable amount of time since I last saw the sign. And then I saw a sign and carried on going. All I can figure is I was running along the road and I was meant to have gone into this house and done a little bit of water and then come out where the path was. And so I, I, I did – well, it looks like I've skipped that bit. But still, um, we need to know who it was. Who, is, who was it that made, that made themselves wetter than my missus? <laughs> so offensive. <laughs> it's great. It's great the fact that anyone who's on Strava, which is – a huge number of people that did Man V Mountain yeah. were on Strava. I, I can't remember exactly how many have done it. But we're starting to get some pretty good Strava segments now. We've had um, the um, Matt Atkinson on one of his races created the, the Canal Straight Bad Boy Running Podcast, Fuck You Buddy. 
um, which <laughs> is just completely out of whack if you look at all the segments. There's a race called Conkers, and it's a 7-400, 8-400, and then the Fuck You Buddy, <laughs> which is <laughs> nice little addition. But I think we need to be getting some more and more of these because Strava don't seem to care or take any notice. We have to get that. noticed by Strava. We need to be. We need to. We need to be told off by Strava. That's how. That's how we know we've got to critical mass. Yeah, absolutely. And they there doesn't seem to be a a letter limit either because I mean these are some quite long sentences now that people are putting <laughs> in as the segments. And I think we should start doing it for every major. What? Oh, okay. This is this is the challenge. This is the challenge. I'm going to find the route of the Edinburgh Marathon because I've um, I've I've run it before, and I think I've probably got it as a Strava segment. Uh, sorry, as a, as a Strava run, which means you'll be able to see the exact route it takes. So I think we should, as a community, come up with segments all along the way to do with the this is where you'll run out of water on the Edinburgh Marathon (laughs) this is where they might cut the course because they've run out of water on the Edinburgh Marathon this is the extra mile of the Edinburgh Marathon they'll make you you walk at the end of the race to get to your bus and I think we should create all these segments which I think the Edinburgh Marathon will find out and probably Edinburgh Marathon won't find out until next year when people have run the Edinburgh Marathon again and then noticed it. And all 10,000. What percent do you think are on Strava? I, I reckon as much as 30%. Oh, that's amazing. But, but let's say it's 10%. They'll have 1,000 people <laughs> who will then see all these comments about the Edinburgh Marathon, which I think will be brilliant. And they won't know what to do because who can they blame? It's not obvious who's created the segment. And it's going to be... He's got the word bad boy in every single one. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we just go oh should we, should we put bad boy running in them or just bbr or well no what we need to need to have hashtag fyb don't they yeah hashtag fyb or bbr or BBR. bbr yeah absolutely yeah so what i'll do is i'll post it in the group the route if i've got it if i haven't got it i'm sure i'll be able to find it and i think it's a case of you can go in and create your own segment even if you haven't run that route yeah. but actually there's there's enough disgruntled people that have run it and the the bad, uh, who are do bad is i think between us we should be able to come up with some pretty funny ones and um oh if you've got any other races you think we should do that too any ones you think are, are just you've got some gripes with or would just be quite funny when people upload it to see these ones no, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we've um, we've had some feedback um from a lady called Kate Radburn. I think I hope Kate. I've pronounced that correctly. Um sounds South African. South African? Sounds South African, doesn't it? It's Radburn. Hey David and Jody. First of all, you guys are fucking hilarious. Good start. <laughs> the quality of your chat is unbelievably good and for Brits your humour is great. A little bit backhanded. Oh wait a minute! I didn't read this far, did I? I'm a Kiwi gal. Well, that's close enough. Who moved over to London at the start <laughs> of the year, and having to commute each day, I turned to podcasts for train entertainment. I found you guys after listening to David on the Ben Coomer podcast. Ooh. You see, you see, it, it was oh, worth it. Oh, I see. That's I see. two listeners now. Two listeners have come across. 
And for the last two weeks, I've binge listened to every single podcast. So I write this email with a heavy heart as waiting for at least a week for a single podcast is going to be tough. I ran my first marathon last year, finishing three hours, 55 minutes. And after Good taking... T- already, already quicker than you, Jenny? Already quicker than me. Very first marathon. Not difficult. <laughs> this, this is where it gets really impressive. And after yeah. taking some time off running after being hit by a car... <laughs> what? In true bad boy style on my first run in London, I have now been oh. motivated to start training properly to race again because of your podcasts. Hey! We're healing people, unlike Absolutely. Eddie Izzard, who's ruining people. Yeah. Yes, I know. Who would have thought that your running podcasts that contain about 20% running talk would actually motivate someone? <laughs> Believe me, we're as shocked as anyone. That's, a, that's great news. I want to know about this car crash, though. I know, I know. After being to, hit to by be, a car. Yeah, it's, I, um, I think it's quite hard to get hit by a car, but I guess if you're looking the wrong way, it might be quite easy. Not if you're uh, Brian Harvey, it's not. Yeah, I mean, he's he's <laughs> clearly got skills in that area. <laughs> I mean, it's what, uh, the thing is, my excuses for not running aren't anywhere near as good as being hit by a car. Well, my friend Alex has been run over by a parked car before. What? <laughs> How does that work? Been run over well, by she, a parked car? She she was also run over by a mailbox as well. She's really small, so she's an unfortunate height where everything's at head height still. And she used to come back from uni so blind drunk that she'd be staggering and then stagger into things like a car. But how do you, yeah, how do you get run over by a parked car? Do you just slide yourself underneath the car? How <laughs> does that much. work? Yeah, she kind of staggered across to it and then she... Um, run into she it actually, at speed? Yeah, not, well, I don't think that much speed, but I think it was more the angle at which she came in. So she's got some scars on her, the on her head of nipple. Yeah, well, if you if you imagine you're stumbling and you come in face first onto a car, or if you if you remember what um, mailboxes used to be like, some of them hopefully still are the red ones, where uh, it's a red circular ones where the top is almost mushroom slightly yeah. pointing out. That was her head height. So if you come into one of those, oh, Wait, she's got head stitches done. In what sense did those things run her over? More like she ran into them. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> Is that um, what she told you? Oh, uh, a parked car ran me over. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it sounds better than... It, it sounds like you're the victim rather than the instigator, which I, which I think was her point. An, an inanimate object hit me. Yeah. The trouble is, you were dating her at the time. Um, you, everyone would have thought you were a wife beater. Because she'd just wake up with these injuries. And she's my, um, I lived with her for a year. She was ace. Right. But good to see you back running, Kate. You should join the Hash House Harriers. Kate. Get involved with them. We want to know more about being hit by a car. Uh, we, that, yeah. that, I think there's something. Anyway, just wanted to write and say thanks for being hugely entertaining. I think my workmates will be happy to have my attention back during the day, and my boyfriend will be glad to no longer have me sitting in the lounge with my headphones on, laughing to two other men's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, she's dating a Brit. Loving Hopefully, bi- she's upgraded. Love being part upgraded. <laughs> love being part of the BBR Facebook group. However, this is where it turns sinister. There doesn't seem to be a lot of female input. And I'm not sure it's just because you're inherently sexist with the name Bad Boy Running or if the females aren't bad girl enough to get involved with the chat. Ooh. Ooh. That's a big call. That's a big call, isn't it? 
I think we've got some pretty engaged bad girls out there. I, do, I think we do as well. Yeah, definitely. People like Anne and Fee and Bonnie and... Uh, and Amy. And, oh, yeah, Amy. Yeah, yeah. We've... Um, and Lou. There's, yeah, there's a lot of engaged yeah. bad girls. Is it? Is it? Is it? Has it turned slightly misogynistic? Is there? Is 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 talk in the Facebook term misogynistic? Let me have. I'm gonna have a quick look at the Facebook group. Is it? Has it become threatening? I hope not. I mean, I was thinking now that I'm not single, it was less threatening, if anything. (laughs) (laughs) The immediate threat has been (laughs) removed. Well, Kate, get, um, get suggesting some topics. Start. Um... Yeah, come on, Kate. Well, best things that you've been hit by that have prevented you from running. But you signed off, bad girl runner, Kate. Nice. Nice. Do you think we need a, a, a new uh, acronym as well? BGR. BGR. BBR. BGR. Yeah. Maybe we do. Maybe we are. Bad person running. No, it doesn't work, does it? Yeah. But, uh, well, thanks for that, Kate, and great to hear you run again. Yeah, go and join City Hash. They're awesome Tuesday nights, and you'll learn how to run on roads because that's all they do is run across them, round them. They pay no attention to the traffic, and and they're oh really yeah. So you want you want to get back in front of a car, don't you? That just after she's managed <laughs> to get running again after being hit by one, you're going to encourage us to join a group who pay no heed whatsoever to traffic. That's of a really, that's a really sensible piece of advice there. Straight back on the horse. <laughs> No, they say straight back on the bike. I don't know. Shut up. Don't use that sort of language around here. That's talking about when you're learning to ride a bike. Whatever. Whatever. It is. Whatever. Right, man. I think that's it for this week. I think what uh, we're uh, we're having a, a beer-soaked episode next week as we talk about Beer Mile and the uh, annual beer-a-thon. Well, I thought before we go, uh, Kirsty Atherton has found a live version. Ali Campbell... Pato Banton, baby, oh. come back. What? Yeah, it's incredible. It's in the Royal Albert Hall. What? Yeah. And um, I've, I've, I've kind of liked baby come back somewhat ironically. But when I heard this version, I realized I genuinely love the song. It's incredible. And when he comes on, does but a bye 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 now, but a bye bye. Oh, <laughs> do the wow. crowd erupt? The crowd go crazy because <laughs> he's. I think it's an Ali Campbell concert, and he then comes on, makes a guest appearance. Oh, it's like it's like um, that moment when Elton John's singing, and he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John with uh, George Michael." You know, when the, yeah, sun, like, the sun goes down exactly. on me, it's, it's, that's the Pato Banton moment. Like, you're like two heroes yeah. in one room. Who would have thought? <laughs> they brought them together for one night only. But I think if we're trying to get the rights to a song, that one's going to be easy to get because they're not going to be checking for it as much. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> we can get Eddie for next week. Get that as our intro music. Uh, yeah, Eddie, go on, try and do that. Let's see, let's see what happens. Because we'll definitely be able to do it, whether we can get away with it. That's the next. <laughs> that, that's never normally the issue, is it? Actually, we can do it. It's whether it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find out. <laughs> legal fight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and um, you uh, if all the all the t-shirts have gone out now. So um, t-shirts, technical t-shirts, they have been dispatched and should be in your merry hands by now if you ordered one. So um, what we really would love is as many photos as possible. You wearing your t-shirts, um, either out abusing cyclists um, at races, um, preferably drinking, taunting other runners, anything like that. I think there should be a prize for the first person with a picture of them covered in a strawberry milkshake wearing their t-shirt. <laughs> it's a big ass. Oh, hopefully, hopefully in the beerathon there's not going to be there's no McDonald's near uh, near the uh, Hoop and Grapes. No, there aren't. Are you going to be wearing the Bad Boy Running t-shirt then? I will be wearing Bad Boy Running t-shirt. I'm, I'm gonna, I haven't decided what I'm going to do when I want to do fancy dress, but I will be wearing Bad Boy Running t-shirt up until before and after. Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, there's there aren't any near, but people are coming from far and wide. I don't so. think anyone's going to be dedicated enough to bring strawberry milkshake with them. That's just the kind of challenge that will mean that people <laughs> will. And there's quite a few do-badders coming. So between them, I'm sure, they can muster wrap. What we need to do, there's there's four flavours, I believe, and there's there's four drinks that you could pour them on Jody while he's in the... Uh, in the beer garden that would be great if they get one for each lap <laughs> i guess milkshake to each lap that's the <laughs> yeah. that's the additional do better challenge I'm, I'm wondering at what lap do you cease to find it funny <laughs> Two? now before i've even started <laughs> minus one <laughs> which makes it even funnier no but um but thanks guys um keep keep your suggestions coming in if you can feminize the group a little bit more by some female chat and hopefully not i can't not think I can't think of anything that's going to um, feminise it less than saying that can we have some female <laughs> chat because you know exactly which way it's going to go now. <laughs> it is, oh no, god damn it. <laughs> but um, if, I'll, I'll see if I can find the Edinburgh Marathon route and post it so we can do some new Strava segments. But come up with some others of your own and, and put them in the group. Let us know which ones you've done. Um, there's been some previously that are um, taking the piss out of cyclists, which obviously Jody loves. Um, but I think we we should see how far we can push this because I've never seen a Strava route get banned, and it's like we're only I'd, we're quite close. To that, I'd say. Yeah. Let's see you can let's see you can get there first. <laughs> <laughs> what a challenge! Anyway, do banners. Um, see you next week. See you guys. Stay bad. Bye. Bye.